Hey, I, I drink seltzer. That's a man's. Oh, drink. hey, hey. <laughs> and the home of the brave. Welcome to episode 11 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. Yes, it is the 11th episode, which I think I'm going to term our 10th podiversary, because it's the 10th anniversary, well, not really anniversary, because that's years, but it's it's the 10th celebration of our first podcast. I don't know. I, I tend to ramble, so... Um, just ignore me. That's a good rule of thumb. Just ignore me. Wait a minute. I, I, I want people to listen to the show, so don't, don't ignore you. Listen. Talk, listen to James. Ignore me. Just just follow along, ladies and gentlemen. All right. But, uh, if, if anything, for the Spinal Tap fans out there, we made it to 11. So yeah, Yes, thing. our podcast goes to 11. <laughs> uh, how you doing, man? I'm okay. Good thing I never followed through as a drummer, though, if we're uh, going... Yeah, right. Final tap. <laughs> uh, for for anyone who hasn't seen Spinal Tap, the drummer, oh. they, they they go through several drummers who die in increasingly bizarre ways. And please, please do yourself a huge favor and watch the movie. It's one of the most brilliant things out there. Yeah, it's it's a good good movie. Doesn't have anything to do with hockey, but it's a good movie. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so mean, should we do the? Uh... Starting lineup or what? I guess, if we still have any listeners at this point. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, So, for tonight's starting lineup in goal, I am number 35, the American Rhino, Gary McComiskey, and my dear co-host, friend, and partner. On defense, number four, I'm James (laughs) Sajazi. Yes, you are. (laughs) I mean, I have no reason to believe otherwise. Well, we could see each other to, to to let everybody else know out there. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think anybody would impersonate this ugliness. So I'm the one and the only. So. Unless it's your evil twin, Dave Ajazi. That's right. Yeah, we got to keep keep tabs on that guy. <laughs> so whenever, any, whenever anything is said stupidly from your co-host, it's Dave doing it. It's not James. Yeah, so he's always just... skulking around here somewhere. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Uh, um. So... Just to be serious for a moment, I know we have some wrestling fans that listen to the podcast, and James and I, of course, are fans ourselves, and a lot of press this week is going to go to the untimely passing of Prince, which uh, just happened today as we record, but another passing uh, which impacts the wrestling community is something that was just either happened or, or at least was just discovered last night was the passing of China. Uh, the woman wrestler who was really a huge part of the Attitude Era, Degeneration X, and she really got in there and she was the equal to a lot of men and was presented that way. And so her contributions 
were felt throughout the entire wrestling world. She fell on some rough times in recent years. She had some demons, and it sounds like they eventually caught up with her. So that's unfortunate, but luckily she's in a better place now, and hopefully she's at peace. So China, rest in peace, and thanks for the memories. Yeah, really well said, Gary. Uh, Can't really add to that, but uh, amen. So... All right. Well, with that said, why don't we get back into the silliness and uh, you can, if you would, go ahead and uh, tell us what's on deck, if you would not mind. Not at all. All right. The NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, the ultimate hockey tournament, period. The American Rhinos crease cautiously enter as Gary actually invites us into his crease, where he will break down an amazing save that Henrik Lundqvist made in game three of this year's Eastern Conference Semi. Hockey in the News, an article printed in April 4th's New York Post, written by Rich Calder, summarizing some of the needless obstacles interfering with building a hockey heaven in, well, the Bronx, and hockey in the community. Islanders Girls Hockey Day. On Sunday morning and afternoon of May 22nd, the New York Islanders will host a fun event encouraging young girls from ages 8 to 14, I believe, to play the great sport of hockey. And that is what's on deck. Thank you, James. My pleasure. All right. So the playoffs, the pursuit of Lord Stanley's Cup, the richest prize in all of hockey and one of the most coveted trophies in all of sports, if not the most coveted trophy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, If you're a sports fan or a hockey fan or not, everybody knows the Stanley Cup. It's 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 got a personality of its own. It's really unique. Just the aura of it and the significance of it, it's its amazing. So uh, all due respect to the Olympic hockey tournament, which is a close second to the Stanley Cup playoffs, in my opinion. And pride in country is extremely important. But yeah, like Gary said, uh, Lord Stanley's Cup is a lot bigger, it's heavier, and much rarer than 25 gold medals. So not taking anything away from anyone's lifelong sacrifice, and we always devote many kudos to the 1980 U.S. hockey team and such, but uh, the Stanley Cup, it's every hockey player's dream to hoist that thing over his or her head, and uh, well-earned. Yeah, I, I, as you said, no disrespect to any other sports, but I don't know any other sports i don't know if the vince lombardi trophy or i don't know whatever they call it in basketball or uh the the world series trophy or even the world cup i don't know if any of them have a person whose sole job it is to accompany the trophy around the country and make sure it's kept safe and uh clean and away from the riffraff yeah and uh like the president of uh, of the United States, in case you're listening from another country, uh, they even have a um, a backup cup as a stand-in, so to protect the actual cup itself. But yeah, and and like Gary was mentioning too, with the other trophies of the other leagues and uh, events out there, the Stanley Cup is the one and only. So I do think that they award a new Vince Lombardi trophy to each Super Bowl champion team. I think so. Uh, yeah, the same thing for the World Series trophy. Definitely World Series, probably in basketball as well. I, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, the, if basketball. you ever saw that trophy too, it was kind of goofy looking anyway. But that's years. again my 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 opinion. But uh, but there's there's and and the cool thing about the Stanley Cup too is how it evolved. It literally was a little cup. It was like a bowl. Stands, a bowl exactly, which uh, I believe that that may not be the original one but um really 
I'm not 100% sure on that, but you could definitely look that up easily. And my apologies if I'm wrong on that. But uh, the other incredible thing about the Stanley Cup, too, is that uh, the way it's designed and each player, well, actually, everybody on each Stanley Cup winning team, his name is engraved on the Stanley Cup. So that includes coaches and I believe owners and stuff besides the players themselves. So it's actually hand engraved. So there are mistakes on the Stanley Cup. They, <laughs> they've they X'd out names and things. And each ring, once it's filled, goes to permanently stay in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So it's really just so unique and, and incredible. And uh, you're actually holding the same cup that Wayne Gretzky did, Gordy Howe, and you know all the legends of, uh, of the NHL have hoisted in the past, too. So really remarkable. Yeah, so the Stanley Cup has actually gotten progressively taller over the years because, uh, as James said, each person who wins the cup is engraved on it, which is why it started off as a bowl and is now basically taller than a keg. Um, <laughs> but as James said, the rings are at the Hall of Fame. So my understanding, what I was told, is that the 94 Rangers Cup win was the last team to be permanently engraved on the cup. And by that, I mean that after that, the ring underneath that team uh, or that that ring that that team is on is when it gets filled up it's removed and it has its own display in the hall of fame and i guess a new one is put on a blank one is put on under there so uh, it replaces that ring and as teams win they're engraved and so on and when that one gets filled up it's taken off and so on and so forth so the cup unless they change their policy the cup is not going to get any taller but it's still continues the tradition of having every player engraved on it which is really cool i mean you know every team is memorialized to a degree when they win their championship you know their their team's name is etched in history but with the stanley cup the players names are all etched in history which is 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 making a more um concrete mark on the history of your sport which i think is uh is very cool oh absolutely yeah it's i, I you couldn't have said it any better yeah you're literally a part of history and there you are that there's your name there's your contribution in there my only gripe with the stanley cup and this is totally tongue-in-cheek as we mentioned in a few podcasts ago our favorite uh, nhl or our favorite hockey movies i should say seabass his name should be on the stanley cup all due respect to cam neely the, the real man's name and uh, he was the um the architect of the Boston Bruins winning the cup in recent years and fighting for the cup in recent years as well. So I think they actually put his real name on it. I would have preferred to have Seabass on it, but whatever, you know, the guy earned it. So congratulations. All right. <laughs> well said. Yeah. Thank you. But, uh, and again, all due respect to the world cup of hockey, which they're bringing back this year, if you haven't heard in mm -hmm. September and uh, also all due respect to the tournaments that Gary and I play in for deck hockey, but yeah, slightly less prestigious. A little bit, a little bit. But uh, yeah, just 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 to get to that that level is is amazing. I mean, the cup playoffs are brutal. They're intense, heart pounding, stressful, and that's just from a fan's point of view watching on TV or from the stands. So, oh yeah, I can't tell yeah. you how many years I've been sitting on the couch watching playoff games, and my wife has to remind me to breathe because it's just 
really it, it's I'll, I'll be sitting there i'll be rocking and back and forth with my head in my hands barely breathing just because uh, you know it's 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 the playoffs i can't any hockey fan who watches the the playoffs understands exactly what i'm saying when i say it's the playoffs and really there's no other explanation required done absolutely 100% right yeah, it it it's. I mean, for the players' point of view, we their stories of speaking of the Boston Bruins. I mean, players playing with broken legs for crying out loud. How do you skate with a broken leg, a broken feet, hands, whatever? It's the, these guys are just on a whole other platform, and uh, you know the hits are harder, the play is faster, the schedule is tougher, and uh, on top of all of that, it may not sound like much, but the weather being warmer which makes the ice surface uh, different textures and, and that comes into play. And uh, all due respect, I keep using that phrase a little bit too much, but to you beautiful goalies out there, I mean, you guys sweat so much as it is on ideal conditions, but when the weather is warmer, I mean, you could, Lord knows how many pounds of sweat you guys lose when competing in the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs. Well, I mean... I would think an NHL rink is fairly climate controlled. I know that they have a little more difficulty in keeping good ice during the hot weather, but I think in terms of the temperature that you're playing in, it's probably more or less the same. I mean, it's maybe slightly warmer, but I I don't know that it's that much more difficult uh, in terms of your conditioning than it, it is normally during the season yeah the uh well just coming to mind especially since the islanders are playing the florida panthers and uh tampa bay is in the stanley cup playoffs as well they're playing detroit that does come into effect a little bit yeah i mean obviously the ice is frozen and it's 27 degrees i believe is the point that they always try and get to and yeah there's pipes underneath that, that keep it that way and things. But when you combine the outside temperatures and the body heat of the fans inside, and I guess air conditioning can only do so much. It does maybe if, it, if it's a degree or two, I don't know. But it, 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 yeah, I mean, it's not like you're playing outside or something like that, like what we do. And that will be a topic of a future Hit the Deck podcast is uh, we did our cold weather take on the gear that we use and we'll do our warm weather take as well. But it does have at least a little bit of effect. But yeah, you keep it hydrated and doing your normal routine and, st- and things like that and you're not playing on a, on a pond but yeah I, I don't think it would make things it wouldn't make things easier let's just put it that way <laughs> for uh, for the weather out there um and on top of everything else if teams advance it's four intense rounds of seven game series each that lasts three months long you know two teams theoretically the the two teams that make it to the stanley cup final itself could play as many as 28 regulation playoff games and if they go into overtime if people are familiar or not the playoff overtime has changed from the regular season overtime it's a full period and five on five not including the goalie and it's basically non-stop too in, in playoff uh overtime and it's it, it's sudden death so you can mm-hmm. play two games in one night if if need be and of, teams uh, have yeah so that's on top of everything else so uh, ideally i mean it's basically a quarter of the regular season thrown in from april through june with the stakes being a heck of a lot higher yeah yeah, you need um you need a lot of endurance and not a little bit of luck in order to progress. I mean, great teams can fail, can flame out spectacularly in the playoffs. And li- these Cinderella little engine that could teams can go far just 
I mean, it, it's, you know, your goalie gets hot. You, you get a couple of scorers that are hot. You just, everything clicks at the right time and you're off to the races. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're a casual hockey fan out there or a casual, casual sports fan, highly recommend you check out at least a few games of the Stanley Cup playoffs. You will not be disappointed. So it's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And much respect to everybody who has participated in those amazing tournaments. So uh, from there, uh, would we be invited into your crease or uh, you're not ready yet? I, no, I no. Wanna... Okay. I'm... Deo gracias. All are welcome. You sure about that? Because I'm kind of leery of uh, entering a uh, raging rhinos area. James, I have the fullest confidence that if someone gets too close in the crease that you will physically body them out. So (laughs) I know you got my back. Okay, thank you. But either way, I'm trying to I'm trying to spare them from from being run over or or (laughs) more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, just if you don't don't get between me and the puck, I might trip you with my stick inadvertently, or uh, I might, you know, kind of bowl you over trying to get to it. But uh, as long as you play nice and and keep your distance, we'll all get along just fine. No truer words have ever been spoken. <laughs> That's why they 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 have a designated crease for the goalie. So just yeah. keep that in mind, everybody. All right. So just to give you an idea of what this segment is all about. Uh, I'm going to kind of break down a play that happened in game three of the Rangers-Penguins series uh, of these playoffs that happened uh, just a couple of days ago. So basically what happens is with six minutes left in the second period, the Rangers attempted to clear the puck out of their defensive zone, the Penguins' offensive zone. However, they were unsuccessful, and Chris Letang... Penguin intercepted the puck, turned around and made a beeline for the net. Now he was, dare I say, stymied. He ran into, not physically, but he was stopped by a defenseman, let's say a little bit in front of and to the left of the post as the, you're looking out as the goalie. And so the, the defenseman held him up and he wound up sliding off uh, to his left side, giving Latang a little bit of a lane. However, another defenseman was coming in on the right side to take away that lane, uh, that shooting lane. So what Latang did is he did a spinorama, and he was able to take a shot that uh, Lundqvist. And the whole reason for this segment, Lundqvist was able to just barely kick out his right pad and stop the puck, which uh, a lesser goalie could easily have given up that that goal. Lundqvist on a bad day could have given up that goal. It was uh, not an easy save to make, but he did it. And so the reason I'm breaking that down is as a goalie, you have to trust your defenseman there because the way I read that play the reason why Lundqvist was able to get over to make that save is because he had faith that the defenseman in front of him would take away the short side so if he had been hugging the post there in order to guard against the shot on the short side then he wouldn't have been able to get over in time but those defensemen that were taking away that side 
gave him the flexibility to play a little bit away from the post, which was the six inches he needed on the other side to be able to get over and stop the puck. So really, that the reason that that save was made was because it was teamwork between the goalie and the defenseman. If the goalie had just been kind of left hung out to dry to face a shot from any direction and Letang had taken that shot, then there's a good chance he would not have gotten over in time. So for those of you who are defensemen or those of you who are goalies, you need to work together because goaltending isn't all about the goalie. Uh, Goaltending is, you may feel like you're the last line of defense and you are, but it's definitely, defense is a team sport. So you have to have trust in your defensemen to know that they're going to take away Uh, certain vulnerable areas so you can focus all your attention on one part of the net it doesn't always work out like that but when things are clicking on all cylinders to to go back to that metaphor that's what has to happen yeah excellent uh and and that goes for anybody playing deck hockey too that you can watch an nhl game and observe it in that aspect and and use what you see in your everyday play, especially for deck hockey too, like Gary and I have said in the past when we've played in other tournaments where we're not necessarily with our own teams and we are uh, members of another team where people that we've never met before or, or obviously never played with before. But at least if you have a general idea of how to properly play your position and learn zones and, and exactly the, the defenseman and the goalie work hand in hand, uh, and and like we've said many time playing, Gary and probably every other goalie out there too always takes it personally if if a goal is given up. But bottom line is, as a defenseman, you fail every time that a shot is taken on your goalie. Your your primary function is to make sure that the goalie is very bored out there and doesn't have to do anything because yes, he is the last line of defense. But uh, if there's a shot taken, especially from uh, uh, high shot area like the slot or the point that's on you so to gary's point as well is that um minimum if you're going to get and and this is the credit to the shooters as well they're all going to be shots taken so that's just you have to go with that what you try and do is, is is minimize them but when the shots do get off it's usually from a great play uh hopefully not from a breakdown of defense and when that happens at least as a defenseman, you can try and cut off one side of the net. Exactly what Gary was saying, which happened with the the, uh, the Lundqvist save, is that he was able to trust his defenseman, like you said, to take one side of the net away and then enable Lundqvist to anticipate blocking the other side and getting his leg out to, to make the amazing save. So, yeah, on paper or just from the naked eye, it may look like that Lundqvist just was standing on his head and left hanging out to dry, but there was at least – Worst case scenario where he knew where the the shot was going to come from. So you can anticipate that instead of just an absolute guess and not knowing where it's going to come from. So yeah, and uh, I, definitely keep that in mind. No, I also want to point out, James, uh, you said that if you've allowed a shot, you failed, which I understand your thinking there. But I will say that from a goalie's perspective, sometimes forcing a bad angle shot can be just as valuable as forcing as preventing any kind of shot at all. Because if you have a shooter who's coming in from 
um, a good angle, say, or or even a bad angle. If you have a shooter that's coming in and he doesn't, he sees he doesn't have a shot, he might be inclined to pass to somebody who has a better lane. However, if you can force them to commit to one side where they don't have a good read on the net, but they have to do something with the puck or else they're going to lose it, then that makes it a lot easier to stop. And there's a good chance that you as a goalie are going to be able to either recover that puck or deflect it off to uh, an area of the ice or the court that it's not going to do any damage. Yeah, also, too, as we've said in the past, and this is probably truer for many deck hockey players as well, is that if you're playing on a side street or in a court like we do, it's generally narrow or, or more narrow than a, uh, a, a roller hockey rink or uh, NHL rink, obviously. So mainly every lane is a shooting lane when, when you're dealing with the, a, a narrow area. So, But that doesn't mean that you can still do your best of, of trying to exactly at least keep the the shooter in a position where the goalie basically knows exactly where the guy's going to make the shot and take the shot. So like glove side or pad or whatever, blocker, and uh, you know, try and try and at least give your goalie the best chance he can to prevent that puck from going into the net. All right. Good breakdown, James. Now, if you wouldn't mind, please clear my crease. Yes, sir. <laughs> Get out of here. I'm conducting business in here. That's right. Don't want to tick off a rhino. (laughs) So uh, with that, let's go to hockey in the news. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Mark Messier, I think people know him, and he's a a famous number 11 too, so that goes hand-in-hand with tonight's episode Mm -hmm. of Hit the Deck. Uh, Although I won't start crying. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Messier for a macho guy is quite emotional, which that lesson to every man out there, too. So, yeah, so Marc Messier has been trying to back in building the world's largest ice skating complex right here in the New York City area up in the Bronx. The deal was basically made when Bloomberg was still mayor. So that was back in 2013. Right. Unfortunately, has hit a few snags since then, which usually and again, we're trying not to be political here by any stretch of the imagination or whatever, but it just seems like from the outside looking in when you're dealing with politics that silly things like this come to a – especially when you're dealing with money. So that that's always uh, seems to slow whatever. The idea is that the Kingsbridge National Ice Center would be a 750,000-square-foot complex with nine rinks and have a 5,500-seat uh, arena in there as well. So it's just a hockey player's dream and figure skaters too as well. Uh, I, th- I think it wouldn't just be for hockey only, but you know, Gary and I are used to the world ice arena, which I love. I, I, I mm-hmm. really totally dig the world I- ice hockey arena in Queens, which is not far from uh city field where the Mets play. But uh, this would be like they said, the, the world's big world's biggest ice hockey complex or uh, ice skating complex. Right. So just to give you an idea what this project is, the Kingsbridge Armory. So here in New York, if you're not from around here, there's a bunch of old buildings. I mean, it's a, it, it's a relatively old city and it's gone through a couple of wars with the British and I guess nah, I don't think the Civil War ever got 
got here. But it's an old city, old American city. So it has a lot of old fortifications. And I'm sure they use this in, in World War One and World War Two to arm up the troops as well. So you have these old military installations that are pretty much gathering dust these days. And most of them have been converted to other use facilities. For example, I when I was in high school, I ran track. I don't want anybody getting any ideas that I was any good because I wasn't. But anybody could join the track team, and so I did. But in Manhattan, there's an armory that was converted into a world-class track and field facility. So this armory, which is a different armory, the Kingsbridge Armory, is in the Bronx. And it's just this huge, old, empty building um, made of brick, sturdy, high ceilings, and it, it, it's just gathering dust. So what Marc Messier wants to do is gut the building and renovate it to, as James said, put down nine different ice rinks. And uh, it, it's probably not that great in a neighborhood. So what you'd be doing is you'd be offering kids from low-income families, kids that probably don't get exposure to a generally expensive sport like hockey, and giving them free ice time and equipment, and you'd be exposing a whole generation of kids that otherwise would have no interest in the sport, potentially, and getting them involved, which... A, it grows the sport of hockey, and B, it gets them off the street because, you know, if they have nowhere else to go, then they're just going to be left to their own devices and do whatever they can to kill time. If they have this place where they can gather in a, a safe environment and productively learn a sport and teamwork and uh, put in the time and dedication, you know, the sky's the limit as to what they can accomplish. Yeah, amen to that, man. It uh, it, it really their hearts are in the right place. And then that's why I was just alluding to political red tape, which we always find frustrating. And again, we don't know how these things work uh, being on the outside looking in, but it just seems like such a common sense thing. But when you're dealing with money, common sense gets thrown out the window. But basically, I think they need about $350 million to uh, fund the whole thing or at least part of it. And um, like was said it was it was under the Bloomberg administration, so we don't know if the Blasio, whatever the difference may be, whatever the case is, but they have extended the deadline to April 25th of 2016, so hopefully we will be able to see what the future holds for this uh, great facility, which we think it is anyway, and uh, we will definitely keep you informed with the more information that we get on it. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that they do get on the same page, the funding is there, and uh, this dream comes true. Yeah, I think what happened is that basically when they made the original agreement, it was, okay, so it's going to cost $350 million. You can pay uh, X up front, and then you can finance the rest of it over the course of the project. But then the de Blasio administration changed what X up front was. They they hiked the amount of money that they wanted them to pay for this thing up front significantly. So they're having trouble securing the funding right away that they would have otherwise had a significant amount of time to secure. So it, it's just like James said, you know, it's, it's uh, when money gets involved and, and different people come in than who you made an agreement with, you know, there's 
plenty of potential for things to go south. And hopefully th- this sounds like a great project, a really worthwhile project. Hopefully they can pull it out. It seems like they're trying to work some stuff out with the state of New York and looking for other investors. So there's still a chance that this could happen, but the window of opportunity to go forward with this is closing. So Godspeed, mess. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like you said, too, once they get all that out of the way, I, I think the deadline, I believe I remember reading that they wanted to open it by 2017 or, or, or so, or at least in a couple of years from now. But yeah, if the funding isn't there, and, and like Gary mentioned, I mean, talking about a tremendous acres of, of ground in a, about a 99-year-old facility – to gut that and then put nine ice rinks in there and and 5,500 seats and stuff on top of it all, it's probably going to take a you know a good amount of, of effort. So yeah, so get going on that. In the meantime, for hockey fans out there and ice hockey fans, uh, there is Sky Rink in uh, Chelsea Piers in Manhattan. Like we mentioned before, the World Ice Hockey, uh, the World Ice Arena in Queens, which Gary and I go to all the time and. Personally, for me, out of all the ice I've been on in the tri-state area, or at least in Brooklyn and Manhattan and Queens, the World Ice Arena is the best ice I've been on. It's great. It's really well kept. Uh, There's the Aviator in Brooklyn, which uh, Gary and I have been there too. It seems like it's a bit choppier over there, but it's still, it's fun. Uh, There's open skates in all of these arenas. There's Mm -hmm. open ice hockey in these arenas too. So uh, there is opportunity out there so uh hopefully that would get the city to open their eyes more and see the potential that this um this uh kingsbridge armory can uh can provide yeah and uh there's also a facility in long island city um i can't think of the name of it off the top of my head uh yeah i got nothing that's okay um with that, too, yeah, we can mention the um, East Meadow, Long Island, where the Islanders practice. And there's a place in Coney Island as well, right? Uh, in Coney, um, I think there's a place in Prospect Park, which you actually told me about. I'm not sure about Coney Island. No, I but... think they're right off the boardwalk, near, um, right near MCU Park, I think oh, there's, a, there's an arena. Oh, my God, exactly. Yeah, how could I forget that? Uh, Abe Stark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Holy crap. That's All okay. right, thank you. I'm, I'm senile. No, no, <laughs> it's fine. Too many uh, taking shots to the head without a helmet. Sorry about <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> and just uh, returning to the World Ice Arena that we enjoy skating at, the part of the reason why the ice is so good there and why the building is so good is because that building was built as part of New York's 2012 Olympic bid, which never panned out. But the building was built and it's, uh, you know, there is a decent amount of money sunk into it. So it's a quality facility. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. And with all that said, we will segue to the hockey being in the community and the New York Islanders um, hosting something called Girls Hockey Day. So uh, for all you long, young ladies out there, if you're interested in checking out the great sport of hockey and for all the mommies and daddies out there that want to uh, encourage your daughters or uh, nieces mm-hmm. to do so, that would be on Sunday, May 22nd and Angela Ruggiero will be there. And if you don't know who that is, definitely look her up on Wikipedia or Facebook because she has a tremendous resume. Olympic champion, gold medalist, silver medalist. She's won all the medals. She's been a member (laughs) of the team. She's actually retired recently and is a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Really just a remarkable career that she's had. And uh, she's also a defenseman. 
and she was drafted by the uh, Boston Blades, the female hockey league huh. out there. And yeah, she's a defenseman and wears number four too. So that's in uh, place for Boston. So that that's a pretty cool company to have for one of the most legendary defensemen of all time, Mr. Bobby Orr, who uh, wore that number and uh, rewrote the history books in terms of what it is to be a defenseman right there in Boston. So And a pretty, certain pretty cool. co-host I could name. Oh, no, 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 no. I apologize for for bringing the number down and whatever, but that's a good thing for Angela Ruggiero. So she's definitely a great role model for all hockey fans to look up to and particularly uh, the females out there, too. So uh, and and a really bright young woman, too, as, as a matter of fact graduated from Harvard. She has a master's degree, the whole deal. So uh, check that out. But it seems like fun. Uh, There's more information on the Islanders website itself. It's held in their practice facility in East Meadow, Long Island. And uh, like we said, yeah, you could check out their website for more information. From 1045 to 1130 is a Come Try Hockey for Free, which they say for all ages. So I'm not sure if that's just for girls or if that's for everybody that's there. Um, So that would be cool for everybody to to try and, and, and appreciate what it takes to play hockey a little bit more by learning how to skate. And uh, then from 11.45 a.m. to 12.45 p.m. is the girls' clinic. And uh, the ages listed there are from under 8 through under 14. So, uh, again, just check out the uh, Islanders' website for more information on that. Sounds like a lot of fun and definitely worth looking into. Yeah, and I'll try and link that on our Facebook page. Thank you, sir. And you know what? It it is. It's a Great idea to get little girls interested in hockey. I know my daughter, who's five, five going on 25, um, she wants to play hockey when she grows up. And I've promised when she gets a little older, I'll teach her. So, uh, you know, definitely get them interested young because uh, women's sports and and women's hockey in particular are really starting to take off. And it's, it's great great competition and it's a it's a great thing to see and that way someday when someone tells your daughter you play like a girl she can say darn right i do <laughs> nicely said <laughs> Less cool stuff. remaining in the podcast all right another podcast down james all right happy 10th anniversary. And to you, my friend. Uh, okay. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for the 11th episode of the Hit the Deck podcast. As always, we want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. We want to thank Anthony Sejazi for music, Pops for being the voice of the podcast, the IQ for sound effects. Please feel free to email us at hitthedeck at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook or Instagram at Hit the Deck. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any number of other places. I know it's available. James, anything you want to contribute before we go? Yeah, I just set the recording of this podcast. I want to wish everybody out there a, well, our Jewish friends particularly, a very happy Passover. And uh, yeah, for Hit the Deck, these go to 11 and hopefully a little more. <laughs> Thanks, James. Okay, everybody, uh, I guess we'll catch you next week. So lastly, as always, we would just like to remind you, especially since it's the playoffs and tensions might be a little high, remember, it's tech hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. We're only a tiny bit bad at our job. What the hell are you listening to this for? This sucks.